0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Coronavirus causes a respiratory infection called COVID 19. To help us understand what this virus does to the lungs is respiratory therapist Michelle Petticone. She's an assistant professor of respiratory therapy in Upstate's College of Health Professions, and she's joining me by telephone. Thank you for making time to talk with me, Michelle.
1: Thank you, Amber. I'm, I'm pleased to be here.
0: From what I understand, someone who's infected may have the virus in their body for up to 14 days before they experience any symptoms. Is the virus in the lungs during that time?
1: It absolutely can be, yes. In fact, you can have this virus in your lungs and not necessarily show the symptoms of that high fever and the other things that we've heard about on the news. This virus attacks the lungs, and even Uh, If with individuals who have very, very light symptoms, we've seen a lot of lung remodeling, a lot of lung damage from the virus. So you you could have this virus and have very, very, very light symptoms and not really know.
0: Wow. And then I know people who develop like a more severe case, they say to watch out for shortness of breath. Now, I wanted to ask you, what causes the shortness of breath?
1: So with this virus, it presents as like a bilateral pneumonia. So the pneumonia is like a the lung sacs are, are filling up with fluid and pus. So this virus will have your lungs can be filling with all this fluid, and it's very, very difficult to breathe when you have this stuff in your lungs. It kind of feels like, a, like you're suffocating, like you can't get enough air, like you're underwater.
0: Okay. Now, um, someone who has healthy lungs is going to be better equipped to fight this, I'm assuming, right?
1: Yes, because you're already, you know, you're already a little bit stronger than somebody who has a chronic lung disease and somebody who has other comorbidities.
0: And uh, smokers, people who vape, things like that, um, you might not have been diagnosed with something, but are your lungs probably damaged in some way if you're a smoker?
1: From what we know, yes, smoking and vaping does lead, lead to lung disease. And therefore, these lungs would be more susceptible to having greater insults if they were attacked by this virus. It just also applies to people who may be immunocompromised from other diseases that they may have, as well as uh, high blood pressure and diabetes.
0: All right, well, it seems uh, at the moment, respiratory therapists are the ones on the front lines fighting this pandemic. And so I wanted to ask you sort of who respiratory therapists are what training they have, how prepared are they to deal with this?
1: Absolutely, that's a great question. Um, As a respiratory therapist, we often get lumped in with nursing. I'm often called a, a respiratory nurse, but it's completely different than that. A respiratory therapist goes through at least a minimum of two years of training, and that is specific to the heart and the lungs. So in their education program, they learn how to take care of patients from from the newborn infant, so we're in the delivery room when babies are born, all the way up to someone taking their last breath. So we administer oxygen, we administer very a lot of medications, and it takes several years for you to learn not only about these different modalities, but also which disease state is appropriate for which modality. And it's not like we can just you know, give a patient uh, some oxygen or medication and expect them to just get better we have to manage that patient's disease as well, and there's so many different diseases out there. So respiratory therapy is very, very highly uh, valued, as well we should be, at the bedside. Um, It's an intense program. There is a lot of math and science involved, so I know there's a lot of people who aren't that fond of that. But to know how to manage disease states, to know how to run a ventilator, it's a highly sophisticated piece of equipment Costing you know fifty sixty up to a hundred thousand dollars per machine, and to know how to apply that to a patient and monitor a patient, the interaction between the patient and the ventilator is very important for helping our patients to get better.
0: So this is a profession for someone who's interested in um, math or science or healthcare, but doesn't want to become a, a physician, doesn't want to go to medical school. This is a one of those professions that has a high need and can you apply to get into uh, a program straight out of high school or you go to college first and then apply? How does that work?
1: There are several programs in the country that will allow you to apply out of high school. Of course, they're going to want prerequisites, so it's going to take a few years um, to get those. At Upstate, our program is a bachelor's prepared program, so it's a four-year program of which your last two years are very highly specific to respiratory therapy. You know, again, you know, like I said, when, when a baby is born, we're there. If anything's going to go wrong, 99% of the time it's going to be respiratory. So it's very important that we understand the lung mechanics of um, a one-pound infant all the way through the
0: lifespan. And so a bachelor's program, the first couple years, are you doing sort of things that you would do in college? English. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, you're
1: getting all your your pre your prereqs, your undergrad stuff, your English, science, math, all the basic stuff that you need for many um, higher level degrees.
0: You're listening to Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith, and I'm talking with respiratory therapist Michelle Petticone. She's an assistant professor of respiratory therapy in Upstate's College of Health Professions, and we're talking about how respiratory therapists are on the front lines during this pandemic. So during a normal workday for a respiratory therapist who works in a hospital, what is their day typically like? So most,
1: most respiratory therapists are putting in that 12-hour shift. So they are showing up, getting their assignments, checking on their patients, and then they'll start doing their rounds. It's very important that they assess every single patient that they're assigned to and monitor that patient and make recommendations to the physicians on the patient's care. The respiratory therapist is the expert in the heart and lungs, and we make the recommendations to physicians for changes that would, would benefit the patient. And through our assessment, through monitoring, through uh, blood gases, we actually take blood samples to help us decide how the patient is oxygenating and able to, to um, expel the carbon dioxide.
0: Now, some of the work, uh, patients might need a ventilator, R- routinely, right? You have patients that are on ventilators that are not infected with coronavirus. Yes, that's true. There
1: are many different disease states that require a ventilator to help people breathe. Sometimes it's very temporary, sometimes it's a longer term. When a patient has been on a ventilator for a long time, they often get a tracheostomy, which will bypass the upper airway and help to ventilate a patient long term. All these patients will need some type of ventilator to help them breathe, and you can't breathe yourself. We often put patients on a ventilator to help them to rest, to overcome whatever disease they may have that is causing that um, inability to breathe. The goal is always to wean a patient off of a ventilator, and that's why a respiratory therapist is so important because we are educated in, in managing these patients who are, who are weaning for the best outcome.
0: So, I want to ask you more about the ventilator and how it operates. is it Is there a piece of it? Does it just go over the patient's nose and and mouth, or does it get, does some of it get inserted into the patient somewhere?
1: So, a ventilator is a sophisticated machine with with highly designed software. and it attaches to the there's tubings from the ventilator, circuits from the ventilator to the patient. And if the patient has to be invasively ventilated, then a tube is put through the trachea, through the vocal cords, to ventilate the lungs. And respiratory therapists can do that too. It's a breathing tube. It's called endotracheal tube. And we can intubate, putting breathing tubes into people, and then we can hook that up to the ventilator. And then the ventilator can help you know, deliver the breath and delivers the amount of pressure and volume for each breath tailored to the particular patient.
0: So in that case, the tube comes out of their mouth. But you mentioned a tracheotomy before. Is that right. where, you, where you cut into the?
1: That is absolutely. Some patients do require a tracheotomy, and it and it is right there in the in the neck. Yes. All
0: right. And then our patients. How long are they typically on a ventilator? I know you said the goal is to get them off, but does that just depend on how they're responding?
1: Yes, it does. Um, we don't like to see patients on a ventilator longer than two weeks um, because then if you're if you're ventilated for a long time, you know, that's all artificial, and there's other things that can happen. I mean, there's infection that can happen. There's lung damage that can happen from um, from a ventilator pushing the air into you because it's not normal. We're not meant to breathe that way. So it needs to just be like a, a temporary piece to help us to get better so, and then to remove the...
0: Are there alternatives to ventilators? We're, we're talking at a time when ventilators may become in short supply. So what alternatives are out there, if any?
1: There are some non-invasive machines that you can use if the patient is not as compromised. And what that means is that they don't need the breathing tube. They just need help, um, a little extra pressure with a mask or something. So we do have some of those tools, but those two, I imagine, would not be in in great supply right now as far as other alternatives once you put a breathing tube into a patient something has to deliver a breath either a ventilator or a human being with an um with a resuscitation bag at the end of that that tube and that's what they did uh, years ago before they had a ventilator they would have to try to hook people up and round the clock you would be bagging a
0: patient you'd manually have to squeeze a bag of air in in for each breath basically right right
1: right and that you know that's very a very subjective way to to deliver ventilation and it's not the best thing for your patient
0: now I've heard some uh, proposals to maybe put together a splitter or something that would allow two patients to be ventilated at the same time from the same machine that's not routinely done though right no no not
1: at all and I would really hope that we would never have to come to that point. The, how we ventilate a patient with a ventilator is specific to that patient, to their size, to their lungs, to their needs. And if we're using one ventilator for two or four patients, we're ventilating them all at for patient A. And patient D's needs might be so completely different that we might be causing more damage.
0: So we talked about the regular day for a respiratory therapist, but during this pandemic, that's probably changed quite a bit. What are what are they doing? How are they staffing for this?
1: Well, it takes a, a lot longer to put on all the personal protective equipment that they need to take care of these patients and also to take it off and be safe. Um, from my understanding from with my colleagues is that they are putting in longer hours with with less resources so it's very stressful it's stressful on them and it's stressful on other families at home days the days of a respiratory therapist have always been busy and we don't get much you know time to sit we have multiple patients we don't just have, have two patients so we're always running and always doing a lot and because we take care of patients throughout the whole lifespan um, we're able to to do many different things to respond in many different ways
0: well, it's important work, especially now. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Mu- Thank you so much to Michelle Petticone. She's a respiratory therapist and part of the respiratory therapy faculty in Upstate's College of Health Professions. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, Health Link on Air.